Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to this uh, platform segment. I'm super excited to be here with Jay. He's the CEO of Revelier. Jay, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kyle. Looking forward to it. So to give the audience some context of why we're having this interview, we looked at well over 140 companies that are within what we call the platform category. And one of the companies that really, really stood out to us was Revelier. They have some very interesting things that they're doing within the space. And I'd love to get into the specific product details. Before we get into that, to give the audience some context, uh, we're going to jump quickly to a video or a visual uh, that'll give the audience at least a baseline understanding of who or what is Revelier, what you guys do, and then we'll jump into questions. Sound good, Jay? Fantastic. So as the field of risk adjustment and HEDIS has evolved and quality has evolved over the years, um, there's a pretty strong initiative from the health plans to start to bring a lot of those operations back in-house uh, and away from using vendors. So the challenge that we've uh, tackled head-on is how do we now pivot our company from being a services company and taking what we've learned over the years and creating a tool to give back uh, to the health plans. So the manual processes, the bottlenecks, um, using the latest technology, robotic process automation to streamline some of these inefficiencies though, so that collectively as a whole, we can now move forward together. So Jay, uh, before we get into a little bit more specifics of the details of Revelier's product, I wanted to ask what was the backstory about why you started this company? Yeah, well, kind of an interesting backstory, and maybe at some point there's a Lifetime movie about the, uh, the start of Revelier. Uh, I actually came in in 2016, brought in by our venture investors up front, uh, to take a company that had a proven product and help it scale. And in reality, when I got in the door, we actually had to take a step backwards before we could move forward. Uh, and so when I say that, we, um, we were pitching a SaaS product, but it wasn't truly built as a multi-tenant SaaS application. And we made a hard decision to replatform the, the product. Um, we made a decision to rebrand the company. Uh, as I came in, uh, I started to reshape the management team with individuals who had more experience in scaling an organization to kind of higher levels of success. Um, and we kind of changed our go-to-market rhythm. And so we've done a lot of work to, in, since 2016 to really bring this platform. And I really appreciate you talking about a platform because we see our product as a platform that others can plug into that's going to change and shape value-based care for health plans. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about kind of the success that we've had since then and kind of where the going. but in short, we have a, a platform that health plans use to exercise two critical initiatives around value-based care. One in the quality arena where health plans receive bonuses based on the ability to demonstrate that they're providing high quality care to their members. And the second, the area of risk adjustment, which is all about ensuring that health plans are incented to ensure not just healthy members, but those with numerous chronic conditions. And 
they go through a risk adjustment process where they capture critical member information and are able to submit that to CMS to demonstrate that, hey, I really have a lot of people with chronic heart condition and that's gonna change their monthly um, you know, premium that they receive from CMS. So there are billions of dollars that are tied to quality and risk adjustment and our platform is helping health plans execute that uh, in a high quality, efficient manner. Interesting. Well, and this was one of the things that was really interesting to us and why we wanted to highlight you as what we think is uh, one of the top companies within the platform categories, what were you doing with contract management? But uh, just to simplify it for a lot of the audience that may or may not be directly involved in this process. I mean, you are trying to find medical records for the right members and identify misdiagnoses or actually try to find accurate reporting and accurate codes. So that way, you know, hospitals are making money the way that they should. They're not missing diagnosis. Can you help the audience understand exactly how this process works? You know, how are you collecting data? How are you analyzing it? How are you identifying the issues? What do you do with that once you've understood it? Yeah. So, um, so first, and it's, it's probably worth understanding that um, uh, we've introduced a platform that gives health plans the ability to control these processes. And in doing that, we think we give them greater control, choice around how they do it, and transparency into the results. The, the, uh, the incumbent kind of solution offering that many health plans had before this product was introduced was um, a services-heavy kind of offering provided by you know, incumbent players where they had some supporting technology kind of behind their, uh, you know, behind their curtain with a lot of people, you know, wrapped around kind of bringing it to life. And our job has been to automate away a lot of that labor and doing that, like it makes it easier for health. So to your question of like, how does it work? Uh, think of it, our, our platform is an industrial strength CR, CRM that health plans drive. And we load up, um, data and that data tells us what members are trying to capture information on and what providers those members have seen, what uh, primary care providers have gone to or what specialists or maybe what you know, hospitals have been to. And, and that activates um, an outreach effort. And so inside of our platform is ability to contact a provider, you can contact them over the phone, you can contact them by email, you can contact them by fax, kind of multimodal communication out to providers, and we know providers are slow in adopting tech, and so it's shocking how much the, uh, how many records actually come back in via mail, or how many records get faxed into us. And our system, when that comes in by mail or comes in by fax, we have a process that um, captures that information, uh, OCRs those records and immediately starts to scan and read those looking for critical data points, trying to identify the member name, who the, uh, the provider that they saw, the data service. And as the, uh, the computer reads that, it can immediately search and identify kind of the open record in our system. And that triggers the next step, which is actually kind of presenting that information to a certified coder abstractor who then goes into the record and reviews it and is doing that in our platform. Um, and so while we uh, implemented some machine learning on the front end to automatically read and attach those records, uh, we now have machine learning on the back end once that record is read by 
uh, reviewed by a clinical coder abstractor, we can then validate their results through machine learning, um, which is kind of the first step for us in terms of having that be the, ultimately the front end process where the, uh, the computer is actually identifying the codes on the front end and, and doing that work. So um, that's our process, right? We have this ingestion engine, which gets the data. We have a, an outreach um, kind of motion where that allows a health plan to engage with the provider, get that data back, and then efficiently review it. And when that record lands in our system, it can be reviewed and overread by the computer within a matter of hours, uh, dramatically changing the, the cycle time from what the current solution set looks like with other players in the market. Interesting. I have a you know a couple follow-up questions with that, but just so that even further people understand a little bit more of the use cases yeah. that uh, why this is important. Can you uh, talk about some of the things that you're doing? One is quality review. You have gap closure. You have risk adjustment audit. Yeah. Maybe help people understand a little bit more about what those are and why they're important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if your um, you know audience is a kind of an investor audience, right, is trying to understand the, like this the problem um, or the opportunity. So for roughly $4 trillion being spent on healthcare, um, government-sponsored care, which is the markets that we participate in, Medicare, Medicaid, kind of ACA marketplace, affectionately called Obamacare, uh, those three being kind of the, the lion's share of it. Um, within that, um, there are uh, hundreds of billions of dollars a year that are at stake around quality bonuses, um, and around these risk adjustment um, premiums, right? And the way it swings the amount of money they get per member per month for members that they have insured. And the analysis that, that we did uh, about a year ago um, would estimate that on average, it's four to $500 million a year per health plan. Four to 500 million per health plan per year. And so we are there to help them capture the, um, the money that is appropriate for them to receive. And I, like, I really want to emphasize that. Like, we're out there to make sure that the health plans that are doing a great job in caring for their members can best represent that. And what you don't want to have happen is a health plan work really hard to get a, a member of theirs into a provider's office so they can be seen and get a care plan in place and then not to be able to demonstrate that back later. So they often start with claims data, and that's an important place to start. But the medical record is super important in being able to identify that they were seen. Were they seen in the calendar year? Was a care plan put in place? Was there follow-up around it? Um, did they have their, uh, you know, did they, did they go out and have their uh, immunizations, um, right? If they had medication prescribed, right, did they get it fulfilled? And we want to make sure that that information is captured and then ultimately um, summarized and then, you know, served up to kind of regulatory bodies. And there's, you know, national bodies, but there's also state bonuses as well for many health plans. Really interesting. And, and for you, uh, this is a really difficult process. And I, I want to go back to the earlier question and, and your answer. Because the traditional process for a lot of these health plans of trying to make sure that they can perform risk adjustments, they can make sure that a lot of their patients are, you know, they have the right coding and they have the right uh, uh, method or might diagnosis. 
it's it's a really really painstaking process that's very manual uh, it's still kind of manual in this case yeah. since you're, you're requesting you know sometimes paper documents from yeah. getting that in the mail from providers per patient right yeah yeah I think like if you take risk adjustment and this is one where um, you know I think it, it drives our, our our quest for innovation because health plans will make calculated decisions on what members to target um, and by targeting, meaning which members do they want to target getting that information from a provider? Um, and in that decision set, it's not just like what member do they think is not represented correctly in terms of their overall state of care, but also what provider is likely to respond and get that information back. So it's one thing to say, hey, I know Jay has numerous chronic conditions and we need to we need to represent that better than we currently have. But if that provider doesn't play ball and send the record in, you know, the health plan is not going to be successful. So what we're trying to do with, uh, with our platform and where there's still some steps ahead of us is uh, capture more of that information in a frictionless manner electronically through direct connects into EMR systems. So the provider doesn't have to, um, find time in their day, you know, overworked providers who have thin administrative staffs. Um, so that's, uh, that'll allow more of that information to come in. And then through our machine learning and natural language processing to be able to uh, code that chart um, with the use of machine learning, uh, which will take down the cost to do it, will take down the, the size of team that a health plan needs to do it and speed it up. And if you like the ultimate benefit of that will be to allow a health plan to capture records on more members. And I had a conversation with a CMO at a large size blues plan. And we were in this discussion about like, what are your objectives and how do you think about the number of members? And, you know, the input that he, that, that he shared with me, and this is about a year and a half ago, and it's kind of been in the back of my head ever since is um, while he's going after 10% of his members, his objective really would be to go after 100%. And he doesn't go after 100% today because it's too costly and it would create too much friction from their providers and he doesn't have the staff that could support all that medical record review. And so we're trying to affect all three of those. Interesting. Why do you think this process is so broken for health plans not, especially since they're the ones who are the payers? I mean, and not yeah. being able to actually see and have insight into you know, how their patients are being diagnosed, what is the right uh, uh, documentation that uh, represents them and uh, their health issues throughout the year? Well, I mean, how did it get here? Yeah, well, I think if I could answer that question, I might be in a different different job somewhere. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's, uh, there's a lot to it. Um, I mean, one, you have providers that are effectively, you know, they're small businesses. If you look at uh, like a primary care physician, right? You go to med school, you hang up your own shingle. Um, and now it's up to that provider to think about what le a level of money he's going to invest or she's going to invest into their, um, you know, into their office. Um, now there's been consolidation with a bunch of, you know, a lot of PE firms coming in and scooping up physician offices. So those small independents are kind of going, they're a bit of a thing in the past, but um, with that, there are investment decisions, and that's a hard thing to do in these small offices, these small partnerships. Uh, we're talking about PHI, which 
um, you know, that has got a lot tied to it, right? Um, can't have PHI getting released. So when you talk about introducing technical innovation, it slows as people step through PHI gates and hurdles to make sure that, um, you know, it checks a lot of the security boxes. Um, I mean, you have proprietary behavior, right? Health plans that are, you know, in competition with one another. So when you talk about interoperability and being able to move uh, data from provider to a, uh, from a member to a provider to a health plan from one health plan to another health plan, you're asking a lot of entities to team in ways that, you know, they don't traditionally do. Um, so I don't know. I think there's, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot wrapped up to it. Um, and in some respects, the, um, those hurdles that are out there in the market create an opportunity for a platform like us to go in and, and connect and kind of create bridges from these different entities. Interesting. And, and really you're kind of the resource to, and you, I think it's a great that you talked about that scale between 10% and hundred percent of the patients that resource for a lot of health plans to be able to understand not only all the diagnoses that their patients are having and making sure they're documenting everything, but have the right documentation to be able to process that at scale. Is it difficult that, you know, from your experience, I mean, you talked about the different methods of ways in which you collect data for on behalf of health plans for their patients. Uh, you talked about how your goal is to integrate into EMR records, but a lot of times you end up might getting a mailed uh, paperwork in the mail. I mean, is it difficult to connect and uh, work directly with providers? Uh yeah, I mean, it is difficult to connect and work directly with providers. And you'll see this, uh, I'm sure you're seeing from your own research, this kind of other layer, like middleware layer of companies that are um, trying to create offerings where, hey, we can connect into uh, tech company XYZ, and they're going out and building the direct pipe to all the providers. So, uh, I mean, it's a bit like... Uh, I mean, it's an 80-20 game for sure, right? Start with the large health systems, get connected to them, then move to the next, you know, kind of tier of players and until you start to go down to the, you know, small, um, you know, small uh, independent um, practitioner offices. Interesting. So the method in which majority of the data that you are being collecting from providers today on behalf of health plans, is this through different ways in which you've integrated directly with their, their EHR solutions? Or is this more very manual? You have an automated process of requesting documentations from them. Yeah, so uh, um, our, our direct kind of hook into EMR represents about um, maybe a shade less than 10% of the all the inbound um, medical record information that we get. Um, and our goal in calendar year 21 is to move that to 30%. So, which would be a significant step up, but still shows how much there's out there to move to an electronic method. I mean, it's amazing um, how um, and the number's going down, but we, uh, I think 5% of the records that come into our platform are still handwritten. I mean, it's amazing to think, right, that there's, there are doctors sending in handwritten uh, notes on their on their patients. It's it's really impressive that you've been able to uh, uh, 
scale your method of collecting information in a process which you talked about majority of it's all manual majority of it's all paperwork and then being able to take that information extract it understand it in health plans uh perform uh better risk adjustments or quality reviews etc i mean it's really impressive how, how did you build out this capability i mean where did this come from are you working with partners providers i mean yeah. are you working with third-party companies you built it yourself you know that's a that's a um that's a good question and um uh we uh we've built a lot on our own um but we do have some critical partners and uh you know so my background before coming to revelier was uh i was in tech i was a go-to-market executive at a cybersecurity company chief revenue officer i was head of sales and customer success of a, a worldwide player in the tech um, kind of renewal sales space so been around tech for a long time was with one company that made this transition from tech enabled services to SaaS, which was a journey that Revelier has been trying to, uh, to accelerate. And um, through that, you know, I've been a big fan of Salesforce. And one of the things that I think was really powerful about Salesforce is their app exchange. And they created this marketplace to encourage innovation. And, uh, and so as we built our platform, we built it in a way that was API friendly. Um, one, so that we could seek out and identify partners that could advance our mission, but ultimately to create um, a platform that we hope pulls others in. So to your question about partners, we do use partners. Um, so for example, they um, talked about records coming in via mail. We have a, a partner who's the best at kind of mail receipt, scanning, indexing. They do that. They're API'd into our platform. And so that record lands, that paper record lands in the um, US mail, shows up at their door. It is scanned in, in our platform and attached through our machine learning before the day's over, um, which is rapid movement in the way that record's handled. And it has allowed us not to focus on that, kind of that part of it, um, but to find a partner really good, um, connect them via, via API, um, the same on like outbound and inbound facts. Twilio is a partner of ours, right? Like they're one of the leaders in communication space. Um, and so we're really proud of that partnership with Twilio. Um, we, uh, we talk about outreach to providers. That's still, a lot of that's still done through a phone call um, in our platform uh, with Twilio embedded in that. A health plans, outbound callers use our system. Every call is recorded, every call is transcribed, or we can do sentiment analysis and identify friction points between provider and plan. Um, so those are a couple examples of how we have partners uh, into our platform that give us kind of the, the best in breed of that little like capability and allowing us to continue to extend what we do and focus on creating the, uh, the industry standard for how you kind of start and end these, um, these critical value-based care initiatives. Interesting. Now, one of the things that was really unique, and which is why we wanted to highlight you, especially is uh, the unique analytic tools that you've built now on top of being able to pull this information, read a lot of these medical records, regardless if they're handwritten or yeah. plug into EHR. Can you talk about some of the functionality that you build? What are, I mean, what is these, this analytic tool? What are you looking for? And what are you trying to do? Is it just recording information and a business intelligence tool? Or are we going a little bit further beyond that? 
Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about a little bit about what we're doing and also where we're taking the analytics. Um, and I think if, uh, uh, you know, this is a typical kind of platform where the more that we ingest into it, um, the more powerful it becomes in the, and the, and, and the bigger problems we can help solve for health plans down the road. So today, um, our, our, health, our system is great at um, using analytics to prioritize members. So we might get a list, uh, a health plan might be going after records for a half a million members. We can dynamically tell them which ones to go after first because the provider's responsive the provider sends the record back uh, electronically, which accelerates the speed of capture and review. Um, or it's a provider that doesn't play ball, like they never respond. So our analytics can surface that. And you, you might look at that and say like, well, why is that valuable? If you take quality, these quality audits that they go through, health plans go through, talk about HEDIS as an annual audit, it's an 11 week cycle. And it's an 11 week cycle where every health plan in the nation is um, trying to capture records. And so a typical provider may get requests from six to eight different health plans. Um, so you're competing for the attention of the provider to get it. And so being able to dynamically um, present which members are the most important, the ones where you can get the record in quickest will allow you then to use that rest of that window um, most appropriately. So that's an example on the analytics. Um, we are also, um, able to present a picture of how a provider performs in diagnoses, diagnoses members in a market, right? And identify providers that need intervention from a health plan. Maybe they overcode, maybe they undercode, right? We are now able to present a longitudinal view of the member's health and say, we've been capturing information on, on Jay from 2016, 17, 18, 19, right? Here's a Here's a view of what's going on with him. We're able to piece together data that they don't have. Um, and then ultimately, um, you know, we can present um, with the health plan, we can say, hey, look, as you're going into this cycle, um, these are the members you should focus on. These are the measures you should focus on, right? And we can do some dynamic targeting. And uh, you'll hear people use the term suspecting, right, where they're trying to get really efficient about uh, who they go after. Um, you know, which will inform kind of how many additional members they need to try to capture data on. So there's some really important use cases today that we can solve. We're really excited about how we're building up this view of members and providers um, across regions, right, and be able to identify diseases that we see that are common in different marketplaces. So um, the analytics engine for us, uh, our journey, I, I think it's probably better to say it, is like really just beginning. Interesting. And, and maybe for context for the audience, when you talk about, in this example that you give, helping health plans understand who they should go after, what, is, what does that mean? And, and like what is, uh, so that uh, for those who are not within this particular ecosystem yeah. understand a little bit more of the terminology. And then the other side of it is, you know, from your experience and collecting a lot of this data, uh, you know, what are examples or what are, are there common coding mistakes or common diagnosis mistakes or common mistakes that providers are doing that health plans are like, oh, wow, without, uh, without Revelator, this is, this is incredible that you've identified this problem. Yeah. Um, 
Well, so first your comment about um, like going after a member and trying to clarify some of that, like we do get in our industry jargon pretty easily here. So um, a, a health plan, uh, a regional health plan could have a couple hundred thousand members in Medicare. And so first on the quality side, it's an audit. And so audits, there's a prescribed audit methodology of the number of members that they need to seek records for around a particular measure. And there are defined measures that um, governing bodies are, um, are looking to validate. And so a common one is controlling blood pressure, right? So they're looking to see, did somebody come in? Did they go in and see their primary care physician in the calendar year? Did they have their blood pressure read? Was it read within a certain interval? Is there a care plan in place behind that blood pressure reading? And so all that information needs to be evidenced in a medical record so that the health plan can say, yeah, like the provider saw the member, they, they accurately diagnosed, they gave them a care plan, and there was follow-up around the care plan, right? And those are the kind of the, what's looking to be validated. And what'll happen, um, you know, they'll, they'll see some providers do that really well and others don't. And you'll hear health plans talk about their provider outreach teams um, who will then work with providers to improve areas where they may be um, less good, right, on some of that uh, and actually doing that work or documenting it inside the medical record. Um, so that's a little example of kind of the uh, who they go after and what they're seeking um, uh, and then the second, oh, sorry, come back to the second part of the question. Second, second part of the question. Uh, I know I, I, sometimes I have this mistake of just throwing seven questions at you. So this is, this uh, is thanks for my playing COVID ball. like memory, you know, it's gotten <laughs> no, shorter. It's okay. I'm just curious when, when, um, a lot of these health plans are, you know, leveraging a lot of the analytics tools that you have, are there examples of like, um, uh, misdiagnoses or, coding errors or things that uh, you see that's pretty common that really yeah. stands out um, and a lot of you know provider or sorry payers are saying oh my gosh like this is a much bigger problem than we probably we're not necessarily aware of yeah um you know i think if i had uh uh rita young here who's our uh, svp of clinical innovation who's driving our natural language processing um uh, initiatives, I'm sure she could wax on about what she sees and how it may change by region. Uh, and I think that's what's really interesting is how the quality of documentation, uh, the misdiagnoses can change by regions. And we, we know that and probably listening to uh, reports on the wellness of Americans and how that changes by regions that there are certain things that, you know, obesity shows up in uh, you know, some markets more than others, right? Um, and that's, you know, something that is really important, a risk adjustment, you know, is identifying that. Um, I don't think I can, I can name one per se, but um, uh, it, one thing I will say is that, um, particularly on the quality side, there's tweaks uh, annually to the measure set. And so why is that? So NCQA, and Center for Medicare, Medicaid, right there, because it's value-based care and they're incenting plans and providers to lift care, each year they raise the bar a little bit. So if you're gonna capture the same money next year, like you gotta perform a little better than you did the prior year. And they'll change the measures that they look at 
uh, and then the targets and cut points, right, where, where you fall on that spectrum kind of keeps moving. Uh, so that information is important for a health plan to, when they come through that audit, to then set their strategy for the subsequent year, right, on where they're going to put their energy with their, you know, working in partnership with their provider base. Interesting. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned earlier that you have, it seems as though you have the ability to uh, collect and work with providers at all scales, very, very large institutions to the small mom and pop shops. What kind of payers, I mean, or health plans do you typically work with? Yeah, I'm, you know, it's interesting. On the health plan side, we've been fortunate to, um, uh, to earn business with, uh, some of the largest plans. So we're uh, really excited that one of the top five plans in the country, National Footprint, is using our platform on quality and risk adjustment. We started on one side, we were able to move across to the other. Um, and they're using that at a scale that I think is uh, unmatched in the market. And then we work with uh, regional and local plans. So uh, you know, I think it's a natural question for people when they hear about this, like, hey, is it built for the like smaller health plans that um, maybe can't catch, catch the attention of like the large national service providers in the space? Uh, or is it only built for the largest plans that have the headcount and the internal scale to do it? And we've proven that uh, it works at both ends of that spectrum. Interesting. And, and kind of to follow up from that, what does this implementation process look like for from you know a health plan like is it is it is a lot of hand-holding process or is this a standalone separate application that they can easily just an yeah. outsource service yeah, i actually think the um so the today and and um like lighting up revelier is a platform to use in these initiatives um we can we can onboard a health plan in as little as 30 days uh that national plan that I spoke about, we signed them on July 30th of 2019. They were uh, running their own outreach programs before the end of August. Like they were live in three weeks, which was pretty shocking. Now, the conversation we had earlier about direct connecting to EMRs, like as that activity increases, I think you'll see that implementation window actually expand. So, um, while it's really easy to light up our product and get going, uh, some of the initiatives that we're driving and the way we're trying to plug deeper into uh, large EMRs, I, I think you'll see that window elongate, which I think is to the benefit of the health plan and the provider. Interesting. That makes sense. And, 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 and with that, I, I'm just curious, what is the, I mean, what is this business model that you guys operate at and, and for, for your platform? Is this a traditional like SaaS subscription? Or uh, is it different? Yeah, so um, we have probably two primary um, um, kind of billing models, traditional SaaS, which um, kind of sized on the front end with uh, monthly, quarterly subscription fees. Uh, but the most common method, and I think this, is, this, is also, this will also change a bit as our offering kind of goes upstream and downstream a little further, um, we, we uh, bill per, uh, you'll hear us use the term chase, but it's effectively we bill per unit that they're out trying to capture. So when they load a file, like we'll see that in that file that there's 
500,000 members that they're seeking to capture information on, and there's a billing unit for every one of those 500,000. Um, and so when they load up that next file, right, like, um, you know, triggers the next billing event. Um, but where I see it ultimately moving to is a monthly per member per month model, which is something health plans understand really well. It's how their whole cost structure is built. Um, and as we move to that, I think, frankly, we're lining up in a way that the CFO inside a health plan thinks and operates. Interesting. You know, it's, 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 you're, you're kind of in a unique spot because it's more of your, your customer base is primarily, it's, 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 it is health plans. But, and for the healthcare software uh, category industry as a whole, it's notorious for having really long sales cycles being very difficult to sell into. I'm just curious, do you guys experience the same problems and you know, how have you been able to manage? Ah, typical 30 day sales cycles. Really? Oh, all right. All right. All right. Oh, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, the cycles are long. I think the, um, I would say, you know, it's not uncommon to have six, six month sales cycles. Um, whenever, there's an opportunity that looks like it's a 30, 45 day cycle. I always tell our team to exercise some caution. They never really move that quickly. Uh, I think what I find interesting and challenging about this is um, quality has a buying window. Medicare risk adjustment has a buying window. Medicaid risk adjustment has a buying window. And so when I came in in 2016 as kind of a new CEO, like raring to go and like, let's get the sales force out like selling, I, I failed to understand those distinct win windows and how important um, it is to line up your product development cycle. So you can say, here's what we're introducing that's new for risk adjustment in time where the sales team can get messaging around that. Um, and influence um, the buying process because if you miss that, if you're if you're slow in how you activate the front end of your buying cycle, you can miss out like on a whole selling year. Um, and so you have to be really well choreographed across all those lines of business. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm 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 curious, and that's kind of you may have answered my next question, but I. You know, what are the deliverables that you, you talk about or mention that really resonate with your customer base? Yeah, I mean, so we talk about deliverables um, in, in a buying cycle? Or just in general, when, when working with, um, uh, with any of the health plans that you're working with, you know, what, what's, what are things that really get them excited uh, and that uh, uh, the Revolver platform can provide yeah, for them? Yeah, so... Um, so you hear us talk about control, transparency, and choice as reasons why our platform's appealing. So if you then drop in and say, well, what are the deliverables around control, transparency, and choice? I might call out a few things. Um, we, um, through our platform, uh, I use the analogy that I feel like every, every record that, every document, because a document could have a lot of records, and you might think a document comes in, has a lot of records, and then it's a bunch of nonsense. Um, 
every document that comes in effectively has like an RFID chip attached to it. Just think about it, kind of you hear people talk about RFID chips in like a warehouse and being able to track movement. We can track real-time movement of documents through our system. And so there's never a moment where somebody's wondering what's going on with a piece of paper, an electronic record that's been received. Um, and that is not um, the way the kind of incumbent providers operate. They have a lot of batch reporting and they can give you kind of, you know, new, sh new snapshots every two weeks, right? Or maybe even every 24 hours. But in between that, you're kind of in the dark. So being able to see that in our system is a super valuable deliverable. And um, it's one of those um, things that, directors of quality or directors of risk adjustment might geek out about when they see that in our system. Um, another deliverable, which is kind of interesting, um, is we can give real-time visibility into the performance of the people reviewing the work, so the clinical coders and abstractors, um, around productivity uh, and the quality of their work. Uh, and we are also able to push that out uh, like I'm a Fitbit uh, user, right? I, like I look forward to my weekly report that tells me how many steps I took and how I compared to five other friends who, you know, we're all connected with on our Fitbit. Um, we produce a version of that for each company's clinical workforce. And so if you're a worker inside our platform, um, you can see how your productivity and your accuracy compares to coworkers. Um, and so there's a little bit of a gamification around that, um, you know, that's pushed out and, um, you know, we're really excited about how, how that is a driving a, a group of really valuable workers um, to think differently about kind of their job. That's another example. And then there's the, the daily reporting um, that is really surfacing the the information that drives the money for the health plan, right? Can tell them um, how we see risk adjustment scores changing um, based upon documentation coming in and where they are in meeting criteria on a particular quality measure, right? And that, hey, you're two, you're two member, um, compliant members away from achieving kind of four-star standard, right? And so, um, it really puts a spotlight on what's required to kind of get over the, the top um, so that they can put the right effort, you know, to make sure that that, that, that member's record, or if they have five members that they need one record from, right, how they work with a provider to get that in. So there's a, there's a lot of um, call it interesting output, right, and, you know, from our platform that we think is pretty exciting. Interesting. Really interesting. I know we only have a couple minutes left on, on time here, but I, I wanted to ask you one last question and then we'll, we'll kind of close out here. But I'm, I'm just curious, what do you think is the future of, you know, general risk uh, adjustment or, or quality reviews for health plans? And, you know, what do you see that most people don't? Yeah, so it's a, um, I mean, it's a crystal ball that I try to look at every day. Um, I mean, the, uh, you see, not a day goes by where you don't hear healthcare being talked about in the political uh, circles. And with an election coming up, right, there's lots of talk with Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg's death, right? There's a lot of talk right now on how that could swing uh, the way the Supreme Court votes around ACA. So 
Um, hard for me to like sit here and think that I know more than others, but I guess a couple of things I think are, um, I think about and I think drive me and drive our team. One is value-based care is, is here to stay. So this debate of fee-for-service and value-based care, um, like we're, we're past the tipping point, like not going back. Um, and I, by the way, I, I hear from some doctors I know who will play golf actually recently with a doctor and we had a little chatter about like, what do you do? What do you do? And then I mentioned what I did and he immediately attacked me over value-based care. And I was like, whoa, like I didn't come up with it. Like I'm facilitating how it's, how it executes. But by the way, like I actually believe it drives the right behavior. Um, and he went on that it's killing healthcare. Um, I think like it's hard to argue that, um, it is wrong to have dollars tied to the right benefit and outcome. And I know that debate is a loud one, and I know there are strong points of view, but we're not going back on that. So that's one. Uh, and so participating in a marketplace where you can help demonstrate that uh, and ensure that those who do the best job are rewarded, because that'll drag the, the laggards up, um, and also help lead the way. And I think we want to do our part to lead the way on it. Second, um, your question about systems talking, like I don't know how long it's going to take, take to, until we have true interoperability, but like there's going to be continued movement. And I think as we operate and think about our platform, like we need to make sure that we're continuing to be a very open player in the way our product is constructed and to encourage innovators to come into ours. And I think if we do that, uh, we won't wake up one day finding that we're on the outside of a fence, you know, trying to peer over and see what's going on. So I don't know, those are two things that uh, I think about, I try not to get too worked up about um, the political debate, because I can't do a whole lot about that, right? But around value-based care and interoperability, I think we can do things to make sure that we're uh, evolving our, our business in a way that's prudent um, and, uh, you know, and hopefully on the, on the top of the wave. Interesting. Really interesting. Well, with that, I, I, uh, Jay, uh, did you have any things that you want to announce the audience or ask or recap uh, anything before I make a uh, close out? Yeah. Uh, I think the best is yet to come for Revelier. We've got a team that knows how to scale uh, and they've seen scale points well beyond where we're at. We, the pace of innovation is accelerating the company. We just had an all hands yesterday and we talked about hitting the trifecta and the, the trifecta was, we signed two new health plans in the past week and they were both blues plans. So uh, kudos to our entire company for getting behind that, demonstrating that our product worked. We introduced a new product yesterday, which is our gap closure solution powered by NLP. And then we achieved our high trust certification, which was an 18 month journey driven to demonstrate that we have put a very strong, um, physical security structure in place and data security structure in place. And when you're talking about PHI, I don't think there's anything more important than doing that and being able to demonstrate it. Um, we know that that's an important recognition, but our job's not done there. So, you know, that was, that was exciting and it was great to be able to share all that news with our team yesterday. And, you know, I think it just demonstrates the ability of our team to execute and perform. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jay. And again, to, to, to recap for the audience, I mean, we, we looked at a lot of companies within what we call the platform space. And 
you heard it today about why we think Revelier, I think, is one of the best companies globally in the healthcare category, especially within platform. The reason why is you guys are touching a really complicated space for a lot of people on the outside and, and probably for many of the audience, con, you know, risk adjustment, quality reviews. This is complicated stuff and actually you have to have a lot of context to understand how it works. And you've taken a really complicated process for health plans to be able to reach out to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, some faces, probably even millions of their, you know, patient base, talk directly with a variety of different providers, both from mom and pop shop to large scale, be able to automate the process of pulling information, whether it's handwritten documents or direct integration to EHRs, you're able to read that information and be able to pull a lot of different insights. One of them that you mentioned earlier, helping them just at least focus on who's the right providers they need to be talking to today, who they should go after. Second is a variety of other metrics that they just streamline the entire process of risk adjustment, entire process of quality review, and makes health plans life a lot easier, especially going through those those big cycles that you talked about earlier, those buyer cycles. So really, really impressive. Really impressive, Jay. Um, and so thank you so much for taking the time and sharing that with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Kyle, thanks for inviting me on. And uh, I think, by the way, that's a wonderful recap. I may invite you into uh, some of our our closing meetings for sales. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, Jay. Yeah.